Doesn't that just put you in the mood? Merry Christmas, everyone. We're glad that you're here. Merry Christmas. We, uh, there's a, you know, there's some movies you got to see every year at Christmas. That's just the way it is. Elf is one of those. Um, we're, we're trying to help you to unwrap some different gifts at Christmas this year that are available to us that we don't always necessarily grab a hold of. And here's a theme verse that we're kind of keying in on in this series, Unwrapped. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those gifts are available to you. We talked about peace last week, joy this week, hope next week. They're available for you, but you have to unwrap them. And sometimes they're a little elusive. Sometimes when you unwrap the present, it doesn't look exactly like what you thought. And, and sometimes the gift of joy can be like that. I had, uh, had my uh, health checkup this week. Um, I do it up at Mayo, do this whole big executive level thing. They check out everything, make sure I'm all doing okay. And, and I realized as I was driving up to Rochester, Minnesota, that I had scheduled myself for a colonoscopy on the week I was preaching about joy. <laughs> How was that good planning? But listen, I got up there and the doc said, you know what? You were good five years ago. You don't need to do it this time. You don't have to do it until you're 60. Joy to the world. However, I know that I'm preaching to a lot of people who didn't necessarily get that news this week. And and the truth is, if your joy is related to what's up in your stuff at the moment, Christmas might not be feeling all that wonderful. I've been talking, I've been talking about Xmas, okay? Um, and, and again, let me, let me say this again. I know that we're all upset about, you know, there's no manger scenes at, you know, at the village halls and, and they've taken Christ out of Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Can I just say, you can't force joy to the world on other people. It, 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 that, the joy is for us, okay? And when somebody writes Xmas on something, they're not necessarily taking Christ out of Christmas. X stood for the cross, and it was, a, it was an abbreviation for Jesus for Christmas back in the day. But one way or another, I'm just going to twist the whole thing around, and Xmas is about the fact that X is multiplier, right? Everything is multiplied at Christmas time. So if you have loneliness times Christmas, makes more loneliness. If you have happiness times Christmas, it's more happiness. If you have stuff in your colon at Christmas, there's more stuff in your colon. You see what I'm saying? Okay. You can, and you can have a holly jolly Christmas without God, but only God can fill us with love and peace and joy and hope. And and it's not easy. It's not easy for you. We had a family from our Homer campus had their house burned down to the ground last night. They lost everybody in the house, and the pets were all fine, but they've lost their cars, I mean, everything, last night, okay? And I'll tell you more about how we can help them along the way. But, I mean, when those things happen, it's tragic. But when they happen at Christmas time, it's, it's just magnified, right? That's how it is. And even though that, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people. So how does that happen? Well, it can only come from God. I mentioned this last time. It was no different for the very first Christmas either. I mean, imagine if it was today and it was, you know, a normal news story. Illegal alien has illegitimate birth, baby expected to be charged with treason. And there's the Holy Family on the front, right? Somebody wrote it this way. It was rumored today that an unmarried couple from Nazareth stopped to stay in a stable owned by a notorious local slumlord and a baby was born. 
There was no running water. The place was filled with straw, commented local public health authorities. We even found a donkey inside. The mother gave birth under extremely questionable circumstances, offered Pontius Pilate, Judean candidate for district attorney. She claims to have been a virgin. Unconfirmed reports indicate that Roman authorities are investigating the baby on charges of sedition and treason. There are a bunch of people running around alleging that the baby is the son of God, explained Pilate, and, and that we will have some, he will have some radical ideas about religion in the future. In other news, three, three kings from the Orient were caught on the outskirts of Bethlehem by the Roman border patrol carrying illegal contraband. Caught him red-handed with frankincense and myrrh, explained the official with the border patrol. And they didn't have any papers, so the kings were promptly arrested and deported to Egypt. I imagine what it would be like if, you know, it was today. And the internet, you know, was out there. And I mean, the, the whole thing is like, it, it's not the scene that was on your Christmas card that you sent out. This little serene, silent night, peace on earth, goodwill towards men thing. It was hard stuff, and the hard stuff starts in the very beginning. Here's the beginning of Matthew's account. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Right there in the very beginning, you've got big problems. It's hard to have joy when you've got all these big problems. Betrothal, period, was an official thing for them. It included a prenuptial agreement and witnesses, and it was a binding contract that could only be broken by the formal process of divorce. That's what was going on. That's what Joseph was saying. I, I got to fix this now. I'm going to do it the right way, and I'm going to give her a divorce, and we're going to move on. Remember, they probably had been betrothed since they were small children. Back in the day, and in other cultures still today, the parents decide who you're going to marry. Because I have three daughters, I used to, you know, get to this point of the Christmas story and say things like, yeah, I think we ought to go back to that betrothal system, you know? Let me pick their husbands. And now that I'm on the other side of it, pretty sure the choices they all made were better than the ones that I would have made anyway. Plus, it takes all the pressure off because if any of them turn out to be losers, it's on them and not me. So th this is good. I can't really even say that jokingly because I love them all so much. There's my three sons-in-law. They're the married sons of Harlow. That's their music group. Um, they're all dressed up at Becca's wedding. But, but I've been putting myself in the Christmas story in a different way this year because I, I want to I always look at it anew every Christmas. And, and I am also coming to grips with my IHOP senior discount status and reality. And, and so this year, I, it just dawned on me, man, I can't think of this like, what if I was Mary? What if I was Joseph? I need to think of it in reality. What if I was Joseph's dad? That's a different perspective. Can you imagine Joseph's parents' family Christmas letter that year? You know where you brag about your kids to your family under the guise of a family update? I always wanted to do this one. Yeah, I got the older daughter in the clinic getting cured off the wild turkey. And the older boy, bless his heart, preparing for his career carnival yeah last season he was a pixie dust spreader on the tilt of world he's thinking maybe next year he'll be guessing people's waiter barking for the yak woman listen folks if if you don't if you're not really familiar with christmas vacation um you're not going to get my humor this time of year okay so that's definitely one you have to watch every year this is just not going to work okay 
So what was, it? what was in Joseph's parents' letter? Yeah, Joseph and Mary uh, went ahead and got married early this year, and we're expecting our first grandchild. She says she's still a virgin, and this is going to be the son of God. Should be an interesting year. <laughs> what would I have told Joseph if I was his dad? I mean, I would like to think that I would have believed him when he said he wasn't the father. And from everything I know of Mary, I would have loved her and I would have said, whatever, do the right thing and marry her anyway. But would I, could I have believed the supernatural part of this story? That my grandson was going to be the son of God? I mean, I think my grandson's awesome. He does a great pirate. He's uh, very gifted, you know, could play middle linebacker if things keep going the way things are going. But the Messiah, Charles of Nashville, the Prince of Peace, makes it sort of different when you personalize it, doesn't it? But hey, I'm a father of daughters, so what if I was Mary's dad? Would I believed her? You realize that she left home immediately after the angel left, right? At that time, at what time? This is like right after Mary finds out that she's pregnant, says, may it be to me as you have spoken. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Well, well I, got, I, just got to, I got to point out something here that I hadn't really thought about too much before. What was the big hurry? She hurried off. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was John the Baptist. You probably heard that part before. But why was she in a hurry? Was it because nobody believed her? I mean, there's no record that their parents got an angelic visit or had any kind of confirmation from God. And Mary's unfaithfulness with another person during this betrothal stage would have been considered adultery if that would have happened. And the penalty for this is death. So what would have kept the Pharisees from dragging Mary off to stone her like they tried to do with the adulterous woman that they brought to Jesus 33 years later? It's the same category for them. That's why Joseph's original reaction was, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I love this woman, but we got to deal with this situation the way it is. It's a huge dilemma. It is a hard place to find joy. So what has the potential to steal our joy? all the time, but especially at Christmas. And I think the first one is fear. I mean, imagine Mary and Joseph, they're afraid. What are people going to think? What are we going to do? We have an uncertain future now. We're, we don't even know what's going to happen. And oh, then you throw the Bethlehem thing. We got to go 80 miles to this other town. There's fear. And maybe that's where you're at this Christmas season. You're afraid. Or maybe it was loneliness. That steals our joy. Mary and Joseph had to feel that. Mary went and spent the first three months with her cousin away from Joseph. And then at the end, they had to go to Bethlehem and be away from their family. And in between, people are talking, and that left them lonely. They were, they were on their own. Maybe that's what you feel this Christmas. Or maybe it's just plain old stress. Too much to handle, too much going on. That's kind of the theme of the Christmas season, right? That's why we struggle with joy at the Christmas time. And I think Mary and Joseph did too. My niece posted an Instagram. I didn't know you could do this, but you can, you can, hit, you can ask Siri to tell you a joke. Um, so this was Siri's joke. Past, the present, and the future walked into a bar. It was tense. All right, Siri's not that funny, but it's tense. 
in this story. It's tense in your house. It's tense in my house because it's Christmas time because we've got stress going on. And the other thing is the short-sightedness. That, that steals our joy because all I can think of is how do I get through this? How do I get through the next weekend? How do I get through the next thing? How do I pay this bill? And our short-sightedness leaves us in, in, a, in a lack of joy situation. Thankfully, God intervenes for Joseph. But after he had considered this, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. That's it. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Okay? God made it very clear that he had a plan for this baby, but all he tells Joseph is, here's what you name him. That's all the information you get. He adds, Matthew adds this for Joseph or for the reader, I don't know. The angel said, this took place to fulfill what the prophet foretold. In other words, this was not just some plan that God and Jesus just came up with, you know, this last year. Hey, let's just send you down as a baby and you can grow up and die on a cross and, and free everybody from their sins. This is something that's been in the works for a long time. And the plan is a part of a plan that's going to go on for eternity. But the only part you get to know is here's what you name him. And I'm going to have to guide you along the way as we do this journey together. And short-sightedness, not, not being able to see the big picture, is an easy way to steal my joy. It could be any of those things. So how do you find joy? Well, as I think about it this week, I think this is the first thing. Joy is not out there. Joy is in here. We always think of joy being, you know, when something happens. Joy, I'm going to be happy when, right? The if-onlys. The out there things. What was it for Joseph? Well, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a fiance. We're going to get married. We're going to have babies along the way. Hopefully we'll have some boys. They'll grow up and help me in my carpenter shop. And, and, and we'll, we'll, that, that's our plan. Maybe we'll build on to the house. Well, whatever. Those are the out there things that I hope is going to happen. And maybe that's what you've been doing. You know, what if the if onlys, if I find the right person, and the baby gets out of diapers, whatever, and we get this place where we paid off our debt, we're going to have this joy in our life and that's a huge mistake that is happiness okay happiness is from the same root word as happenings happiness happenings those are the things that happen to us joy is different that's why it's possible to have joy even at Christmas time I show this picture every year because it's one of my favorites Joy to the world, right? You can have it, but it's got to come in here. The second thing is that joy isn't found, it's sent. What did the angels tell the shepherds? I bring you good news of great joy. You're not going to go find great joy. You're not going to go find the good news. I'm bringing it to you. Okay, it's not out there, it's in here, and you don't find it, it is sent to you. Everyone in the Christmas story has a situation that's going on where it's going to be hard to find joy in their life, just like you and I. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to fix your situation, whatever it is, but that can't be where you find the joy, because you, you're, you're, it's never going to work that way. You have to trust God's plan. Joy is a gift, so you're going to have to unwrap it. It's there, it's been brought to you, it's available, but you have to unwrap it. And by the way, after you unwrap it, you're supposed to share it. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has, been, that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And we usually end there. But when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They spread the word. Joy has been sent. When you get it and unwrap it, you're supposed to share it. You're here at Parkview because somewhere along the way, probably somebody extended an invitation to you. 90% of our people come that way. You're watching online right now because somebody probably told you about what was going on. And we're glad that you're there. We're glad that you're watching. Somebody invited you, so what should you do? When you get the joy, when you unwrap the present like the shepherds, you're supposed to share it. This Christmas, we want you to extend that same invitation to at least one other person and invite them to spend Christmas together with us. That's why we have these cards available for you. We have the CDs available for you. Go get a bunch of these and hand them out to the people that you see, the people that you know, the servers at the restaurant, whoever it is. Pass them out and invite people because once the joy is brought to you, we're supposed to share it so that everybody else can have it because they're looking for it. Here's a map of our locations, in case you haven't figured out how the whole thing works. Our new, new Lenox campus got our occupancy permit two days ago. We are good to go, ladies and gentlemen. Five services at Christmas Eve. So excited. Hey, we got five services. So why, do, why are we doing this campus thing? Why do we have a campus in Homer and a campus in New Lenox? Because you come from Homer and you come from New Lenox. I don't care whether you plan on going to the New Lenox campus or not. If you live out that way, I want to encourage you, invite somebody that you know, some of your neighbors, and, and go, to the, to go there. You can come here too if you want, but go there and, and invite them to that service because your neighbors are more likely to get plugged into the campus that's right close to them. If you're in the Homer, do the same thing. That's why we're doing this. We're taking the joy out to the people, and we're making it easy for you. And we have 19 services at Christmas Eve to make that possible for you. Joy is not found, it's sent. And once it's sent, you're supposed to share it. Joy, thirdly, is a choice. It's a choice. You're going to have to choose to follow God's plan and have joy. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him. Mary, greatly troubled at his words when the angel came, but then she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May it be to me as you have spoken. In other words, okay, if this is your plan, God, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't see everything, I'm going to choose to follow you, and I'm going to choose to get the joy out of the situation that you are bringing me, which is going to be much deeper than anything I can find. They can't find joy. It's definitely not out there, but they choose to follow God's plan and unwrap it. And initially, the plan had to look like a bunny costume to them. It had to look like something they didn't want. But they chose to believe the truth, that Jesus was in control. So don't let the if-only steal your joy. The author of this piece is unknown. Many of you have heard it before. Dance like no one's watching. We convince ourselves, writer says, that Life will be better after we get married, have a baby, then another. 
Then we're frustrated that the kids aren't old enough and we'll be more content when they are. After that, we'll be frustrated that we have teenagers to deal with and we'll be happy when they're out of that stage. And you will, trust me. We, we tell ourselves that life will be complete when our spouse gets his or her act together, when we get a nicer car, when we're able to go on a nice vacation, when we retire. And the truth is, there's no better time to be joyful than right now. If not now, then when? Your life will always be filled with challenges, so it's best to admit this to yourself and decide to choose joy anyway. So stop waiting until your car or home is paid off, until you get a new car or a new home, until your kids leave the house, till you go back to school, till you lose 10 pounds, till you gain 10 pounds, till you finish school, till you get a divorce, till you get married, till you have kids, till you retire, till summer, till spring, till fall, till winter, until you die. Stop waiting. There's no better time than right now to be joyful. Joy is a journey, not a destination. So work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, and dance like no one's watching. It's a choice. It's not always easy. It wasn't easy for them. But I, I think lastly, joy is about an eternal perspective. Joy has a lot to do with perspective. Perspective is important for everything. It's important for your marriage. It's important in relationships. Whether you look at something as a problem or an opportunity, whether you're miserable, whether you're joyful, that's a choice that you make, and it's based on perspective. College student sent this email to her parents. Dear mom and dad, I'm sorry to be long in writing. Unfortunately, my computer was destroyed the night our dorm was set on fire by the demonstrators. I'm out of the hospital now, and the doctors say my eyesight should return to normal soon. Wonderful boy named Bill rescued me from the fire and kindly offered to share his little apartment with me until the dorm was rebuilt. He comes from a good family, so you won't be surprised when I tell you that we're going to be married. In fact, since you always wanted a grandchild, you'll be really glad to know that I'm pregnant. <laughs> the next email said, please disregard what I've written so far. This was an assignment for English class. I did, however, get a D in French, and I wanted to make sure that you received the news in proper perspective before I get home at Christmas break. It's all about perspective, isn't it? It changes everything. And the, the, the only way that you can have joy is to have an eternal perspective. The only way that Joseph and Mary could have joy that first Christmas was to realize that this plan has been going on since the prophets of old, and it's going to go on to eternity, and they were a part of it, and they couldn't understand it all, but God had a greater plan. That, that's, most of the time, joy, joy is used almost 200 times in the New Testament. And almost every time, it's tied to an eternal perspective. It's tied to the second coming of Jesus. It's tied to the time when we leave this world and we go to the one that is going to be joyful forever. That's why the Apostle Paul, who was in prison writing to a church in Philippi who, had, who was full of persecution and had all kinds of problems, could say, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. Rejoice. How could he say that? Because of this simple phrase. You don't rejoice. I don't rejoice that I'm in prison necessarily. I don't, you're not going to rejoice that you're being persecuted necessarily. This is not about that. This is about the Lord being there and choosing joy in that situation. That's so different. King David in the Old Testament said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. 
because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Do you have a relationship with Jesus this Christmas? You're never, you're, you can have a holly jolly Christmas, but good news of great joy that will be to all people is only available through you unwrapping the gift of Jesus. And I, I want to challenge you as we get ready for our communion in just a little bit, as we go through this Christmas season, at some point, even today, even if you're watching me online, open up your heart and tell Jesus you accept. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I accept your salvation that can bring me good news, great joy. It's for all the people. Peace on earth. Hope forever. I was at the mission, I was at the Mayo Clinic, just a relationship I've got with this great institution up there. Every five years I go get an executive physical and they check everything out. It's an incredible place. I did a little research on it after I came back. I mean, it sounds like a you know, Mayo Clinic. That's a misnomer. It's, 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 it's like Mayo City. It's unbelievable. In 2015, they treated 1.3 million people from 50 states and 140 countries. They have 4,500 staff physicians, 2,400 residents, 57,000 staff at the Mayo Clinic. In 2015, they raised a half a billion dollars for education and research programs alone. So it's, it's Mayo City. Rochester, Minnesota might as well be renamed Mayo, Minnesota. And I'm walking around this place, all these massive hospitals, everything's tied underground because it's the frozen tundra up there. So you, you got all these different places that you're going for all these different appointments. And I'm walking around and I'm, I'm seeing all these people and I'm so grateful for the philanthropy of so many people who have provided the, this clinic for people, this hospital, this system to help people. And I'm not even sick. I'm grateful for it. When you fill out the paperwork, they ask you if you have a living will and if you'd like to have somebody help you to prepare one, which I know is code for why don't you leave the Mayo Clinic some money when you die, okay? I mean, I get that, which is a good idea because if you don't have a will, the government's going to end up getting your money, and that's not a really good investment, so you might as well get a will and get it figured out, right? And I felt a little guilty checking the not interested box, but the truth is my will is done already and my kids and Parkview are going to get my massive wealth when I die. <laughs> Unfortunately for you and them, according to the health assessment by the Mayo Clinic, that's not going to be any time real soon. I'm as healthy as a horse, which is, thank you, thank you, thank you, it's good. Yeah, it's good news. It's good news except that the news about my back is it's degenerative discs and arthritic joints and there's nothing they can do for it. So I'm going to, give a long, I'm going to live a long, long time with a bad back. That's, that's how it came out. They said, it's fine. Just don't lift, bend, or twist for the rest of your life and you'll be good. Thank you. Glad I came up here. Um, I'm like the horse that can't run and you're supposed to put that horse down, right? Except that's not legal yet here either. So we'll check into medicinal marijuana. It's legal. We'll, we'll figure it out. But hey, get a will, Okay. Uh, make, make sure your money goes where you want it to go when you die. The sad irony I had is I'm walking around Mayo Clinic, and, and, and I'm so thankful for all of you that are in the health profession. I really, really am. But the, the sad irony is everything that's happening there is only prolonging the inevitable. 
I went there because they're the best. I, I mean, I would be so grateful if somebody at the Mayo Clinic could cure Parkinson's disease so my mother-in-law could be whole again. If one of my kids or grandkids had a deadly disease, I would get them to the Mayo Clinic. I'm glad they exist. I, again, I appreciate all of you that are in the health profession, but, but life is 100% fatal. Every patient of every healthcare system in the world is going to die and spend eternity somewhere filled with joy or filled with regret. That's why the great physician came down to this sick planet as a tiny little baby and grew up in the sickness so that he could relate to us and then laid his life down to provide a way for us to be well again and then rose again to show us that the true eternity, healthy eternity, joyous, healthy eternity is waiting for us. That's why when he was here, he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. That's why I came. I am the great physician. And that's why for me, my investments are going into the kingdom clinic. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. And that's why you should invite as many people as you can to Christmas Eve. It's an eternal perspective. That's how we find good news of great joy. And it's available forever. One more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, if there are people listening to me right now that don't have you in their life, this is the time for them to open up their heart and say, Jesus, I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need to have joy and hope and peace, and I can't find that on my own. It's not out there. It's not tied to other things that are going to happen to me. It can only come as a gift from you. So I'm going to unwrap that gift. I'm going to follow you. And Lord, for all of us, as we celebrate Christmas, will you please help us to remember that even though we can't see very far, through this plan, we can choose to have joy as we follow you because we know that you have brought it to us. And we choose that. We choose to follow you. We choose to be yours. May it be to us as you have spoken. Bring us joy. It's in your name we pray.